Hey, welcome home to Cassidy. My name is Stephen Mitchell, and it is a joy to be here with you. Thank you so much for joining us today, for joining together with us in celebration of who Jesus is and all that Jesus does in and through us. I am overjoyed that we get to continue building the kingdom of God together, that God invites us into relationship and calls us to go into the world to make a difference for him. Uh, that's one of the key joys in my life, and my hope is that if you're joining us, it's something that you're passionate about as well. Uh, and if you're new here, I just wanted to say you're welcome here. Thank you so much for joining us, for being a part of this celebration of worship today, that we can celebrate together all that God is doing. Uh, if you are new here, uh, whether online or in person, you're going to recognize pretty quickly that we're not perfect but we know the one who is, and that's Jesus. And we want to invite you on a journey with us to grow in relationship with God, to grow in relationship with one another so that we can be the people that God wants us to be, so that we can meet with God and meet with one another and grow in deep love and grace so that we can go into the world and share that love and grace with everyone we encounter. That's the whole idea of this current worship series called Let's Meet up. Let's meet up looking at some different interactions that Jesus had with people on, on, in different places, in different uh, circumstances, uh, all throughout his earthly ministry where he meets with people and, and changes everything for them. Uh, we, we started by talking about the woman at the well who was outside of community and, and Jesus restored her and she shared with everyone what Jesus, that Jesus had done then. Uh, we talked last week about Matthew, a tax collector who Jesus got a hold of and said, hey, come and follow me. And, and his response was to throw a party for the other people that he would hang out with, sinners and tax collectors. And Jesus embraced them all. Jesus went and dined with them, and, 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 and we're going to take a look at a, a little bit different direction today. If you don't know this about me, uh, I had, uh, previous to being a pastor, I was in IT, uh, and I, at one point in time, worked for a company called Pfizer. You may have heard of Pfizer. It's a pharmaceutical company. One of their locations, uh, one of their main R&D locations, actually in the United States, the main R&D location uh, is in Groton, Connecticut. And so Groton is uh, <laughs> rotten Groton. That's what we used to say. Anyway, we had to go to Connecticut, uh, and it was a group of folks uh, that did the same thing that I did from all across the U.S., from La Jolla, California, all the way to, uh, to Ann Arbor, to St. Louis, and, and, and uh, we all had to go, and, and the U.K., actually, and we all had to go and meet up at Groton. So we were staying in this hotel in Groton, Connecticut, and one day after work, uh, we, we went back to the hotel, and we're just hanging out at the hotel, waiting until we go to get dinner. And while we're there, we're in the lounge, and, and you know, some buddies of mine and I are sitting there at the bar, and a, another guy walks up and sits down with us. And, and my friends were sitting on my right, and he sat next to me, and I was like, hey, that's cool. Uh, and I don't know if you've met me or, or hung out with me in any, for any length of time, but... Uh, I don't let strangers be strangers. 
messengers very long. Uh, this was a new guy. And so I was like, hey, man, how are you doing? And so I strike up a conversation with the new guy. He shares that his name is Harry. Uh, and there's something about him that seems pretty familiar, uh, but, you know, nothing over the top. And so Harry and I are visiting and we're talking with everybody now that's, that's a part of this conversation. And uh, he explains that, you know, he lives in, in Groton and his wife uh, actually wanted to just come for a spa day, and he's just just burning off some time, killing some time, waiting for her to finish. And uh, so we were excited about that. I, I was excited about that. We're just chatting, chatting about normal things, talking about work, talking about uh, things that people are doing, talking about whatever was coming up. Mostly we were probably talking about sports. Um, and, and so in the process of this conversation, about an hour and a half goes by, uh, and Harry says, oh, there's my wife. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and head out. And I was like, man, it was great meeting you. He said, you too. Uh, and he took off. And my buddy at the end of the bar looks at me and he goes, Steve, do you know who that was? And I was like, yeah, that was Harry. And he goes, yes, Harry Connick Jr., uh, musician, movie star, celebrated, uh, famous person at this point in time. Uh, and I was like, why didn't y'all tell me? Like, I'm sitting next to Harry Connick Jr. Like, I was like, I knew he looked familiar, but I couldn't see uh, in him the person that I'd seen on the screen, the person that I'd seen on TV, uh, and, and, and the person that I'd seen in the movie Independence Day, which was one of those uh, pivotal moments in my life. And I was just like, oh my gosh, how did I miss that? How did I not know it was him? And how did y'all not let me know? I mean, for goodness sake, just tell me it's Harry Connick Jr. So I could have been like, hey, could I on the slide get your autograph or whatever? It would have been a cool moment. Uh, I think, honestly, Harry probably enjoyed it because we were just talking as people. We weren't like, ooh, that's Harry Connick Jr. Found out later he lives in, in Connecticut and, and he goes to that place all the time because his wife likes to go there. And so it wasn't this out of the ordinary thing, but it was cool because it was different for me, and it was somebody special. Uh, I, missed, I missed the ability to recognize who it was at the time, and it was only in, in hindsight that I knew who it was. And, and we've probably all inadvertently missed somebody that was famous, somebody that was special, somebody that was important. Not a you-don't-know-who-I-am kind of moment, but a moment where people are trying to not cause a fuss, just trying to be normal people and trying to experience life like a normal person for a moment. Uh, and, and so you, you, they fly under that radar. And, and our story today, our meetup today with Jesus is, is a scene that's very similar to that, uh, where we're going to meet up with some disciples of Jesus on a road. They're traveling on a road called Emmaus or to a town called Emmaus. So uh, we're going to meet them on the road, at the road to Emmaus. Um, and just some background information about this meetup is that it is the Sunday of resurrection. Jesus has been raised from the dead, and, and, and this is that Sunday when Jesus has been raised from the dead. And it's in the evening of that day. And it starts in Luke's gospel this way, that same day, Two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. As they were walking along the road, 
or along, they were talking about everything that had happened. So they, they were in Jerusalem, and now they're traveling back to Emmaus. And as they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened, Jesus' crucifixion and all that that entailed. And as they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognizing him. Uh, This is one of the most bizarre, cool stories in the New Testament. These, These folks are walking on the road to Emmaus. Now, they've been staying in Jerusalem, but remember, it's still the Passover um, celebration festival, and so there's not a lot of room in Jerusalem for people to stay. And so they probably are going back to where they're staying, which is a long walk for them to a town called Emmaus. And it's on that road that Jesus shows up to them, but Jesus isn't recognizable by them. Now, these are two of Jesus' disciples, not part of the 12, but two of Jesus' disciples nonetheless. And and while they're walking with him, they don't recognize him. God keeps them from recognizing him, it says. Now, I, I think that this is one of the cool aspects of the new resurrection body that Jesus has, that he's able to not be recognized right away. And so Jesus, Jesus is right there with them, and yet they don't recognize who he is. And he starts traveling with them. And it says this, he asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? I love it, right? Jesus knows exactly what they're talking about. And they stopped short, sadness written across their faces. Then one of them, Cleopas, replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened there the last few days. Jesus... Jesus knows exactly what they're talking about, but in order to get the conversation going, Jesus meets them where they are. Once again, Jesus goes to their level where they are, and their level right now is a level filled with grief and sadness. It's written across their faces because they don't understand all that is supposed to happen. This is Resurrection Sunday. And I say it all the time on Easter, the disciples didn't understand what was going on. Even though they had seen the tomb empty, even though Jesus' body wasn't there, even though the women had said that Jesus had been raised from the dead, they didn't understand it. They didn't believe because people don't come back from the dead. And it's hard to, 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 to do this. It's hard to believe this. It's hard to understand this. And so Jesus continues the conversation. What things, Jesus asked, the things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said. He was a prophet who did powerful miracles, and he was my, a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. We had hoped he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. This all happened just three days ago. They give an elevator view, that 10,000-foot airplane view, what we call it, of the ministry 
of Jesus, that he was a prophet, powerful in word and deed, a miracle worker. And then that last line, we had hoped that he was the Messiah. Hoped. Here the past tense. They don't have hope that he is the Messiah because he's dead. He was murdered. He was crucified. We had hoped he was the Messiah. And then they continue. Then some of the women from our group of his followers were at his tomb early this morning, and they came back with an amazing report. They said his body was missing, and they had seen angels who told them Jesus is alive. Some of our men ran to see, and sure enough, his body was gone, just as the woman, women had said. <laughs> those, those crazy women, you just can't believe anything they say. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, but that's kind of the scenario that's unfolding. The women had gone to the tomb that morning and had found the stone rolled away. And, and, and they had heard the angels tell them that Jesus is alive. And, and they returned to the disciples to tell them what's going on. And, and the disciples go to the tomb, specifically Peter and John, go to the tomb and find that it is empty can you believe it? But they don't believe that Jesus is raised from the dead. They, they don't fathom or understand it. And so now these two disciples are returning along the road going to Emmaus, and Jesus shows up and they explain all of this to him. And his response isn't one of comfort, isn't one of encouragement, Jesus said to them, you foolish people, <laughs> you find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the Scripture. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all of these things before entering His glory? Then Jesus, still unknown by them, took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Uh, Jesus, Jesus walking with them calls them out. Don't you believe? Don't you understand? Can't you figure it out? You foolish people. And then Jesus proceeds to unpack the meaning behind his own death and resurrection, how the prophets had all pointed to a suffering servant, to a Messiah that would have to be crucified, hung on a tree so that they might find life in that Messiah and explains that to them so that they could understand it. Now, they still don't know it's Jesus. It's just some random dude who suddenly knows all of the things in Scripture that point to Jesus and His life and death and ultimate resurrection. And by this time, they were nearing Emmaus. So this road, this, this conversation has taken a long time on this six-mile journey. And they were at the end of their journey. Jesus acted as if He was going on. So they, they are getting next to Emmaus, and they're staying in Emmaus, but Jesus acts as if he's going on. But they begged him, stay the night with us, since it's getting late. So he went home with them. 
Now, maybe they lived in Emmaus. Maybe they were just staying in Emmaus, but they have traveled on this road to Emmaus with Jesus right with them. And, and they, they have this conversation. And, and we need to understand, like, hospitality is an important thing in the, the Jewish tradition, that you don't just leave somebody out on the road, that you invite them, especially in this first century, you invite them into your house, you invite them to safety and sanctuary, you invite them in, you show hospitality. But this is even more than that because they begged him to stay. Not just, hey, would you like to stay? Nope, okay, good, have a nice time. No, they begged for him to stay. Why? Because they are hurting but there is a glimmer of hope in the conversation they're hearing from Jesus. They hear this story of possibility, the necessity of the suffering of the Messiah so that he can fully enter into his glory. And Jesus agrees and goes with them. As they sat down, as they sat down, he took bread. Jesus took bread and blessed it. Then he broke it and gave it to them. And suddenly their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And that, at that moment, he disappeared. You want to talk about a oh-my-goodness moment. It was in the breaking of the bread, whether it was the way that Jesus did it, which was a special way, or that they saw the wounds on Jesus' hands. And in that moment, they recognized Jesus. The veil of their inability to see Jesus for who he was was lifted, and they saw Jesus alive before them. They knew that Jesus had walked with them and told them this story, and then suddenly Jesus vanishes. Another one of those benefits of the resurrection body that Jesus isn't bound in the same way that we are in the physical realm, and so Jesus vanishes from their sight. And then, then the awe sets in. And they, they start to have a conversation. They said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scripture to us? And within the hour, and within the hour, they were back on their way back to Jerusalem. They, they had had made it home for the night or to where they were staying for the night and, and Jesus breaks bread and suddenly he's really there and, 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 and then he vanishes. And they, they talk about it. Didn't our hearts burn when he told us how the scriptures were unfolding? Didn't our hearts burn and come to life when we knew who it was and, and we can't stay here? And so they pack up their food and immediately... Immediately, they head back to Jerusalem. Who cares where we stay? Our destination is no longer Emmaus. Our destination is now Jerusalem. And there, when they get back, and my guess is they get back to Jerusalem a whole lot faster than they took to get there. They probably hot-footed it, run a little bit until they couldn't run anymore and get all the way back to Jerusalem. And there they found 11 disciples and the others who had gathered with them, who said, the Lord has really risen. He appeared to Peter. <laughs> Imagine this. You, you have 
something burning up within you. you. You saw the resurrected Christ and you travel as quickly as you can to get back to Jerusalem so that you can share this news. The women weren't crazy. Jesus really is raised from the dead. We saw him. He broke bread with us. And you get there and the 11 are like, hey, you're never going to believe this. Peter saw Jesus. Peter steals their thunder. But imagine, imagine their joy. Imagine the joy they have in knowing that Jesus truly has been raised from the dead. Jesus truly was with them. Jesus has been seen by Peter. Jesus was seen by the women. And then the two from Emmaus told their story, how Jesus appeared to them as they were walking along the road and how they had recognized him as he was breaking the bread. Their joy overflows. Their hope overflows. It's, it's this moment of revelation. The epiphany that, that was given to them. Epiphany is just a fancy church word for, for God revealing a truth to them. And, and the truth was that Jesus was not dead, but had been raised from the dead. And, and in that moment... In that moment, everything changed for them. And the truth is, an encounter with Christ changes your destination. An encounter, not just an invitation, but an encounter, a true encounter with Jesus changes your destination. They met Jesus on the road, and, and when they saw who he was, immediately it changed their destination. No longer was Emmaus their destination. Now their destination was Jerusalem. Why? Because they had to share the news. Everything was different. <laughs> staying put, staying put wasn't an option. We're going back. We've got to go back right now. And Jesus doesn't just offer that kind of change to the disciples. Jesus offers that change to you and to me. I mean, you, you thought you were broken? You thought you were alone? You thought you messed up and there's nothing you can do to get back to being okay. Maybe you even, in the church language, think you're sinful and you have no way back to God. And Jesus takes all of that, all of that, and in his love shares with you his righteousness. And the beauty of Jesus is that when, when the destination changes, the journey changes. No longer are we seen only as what we have done, but now we are seen in the eyes of God for what we can do, where we will go, who we will love, all the changes in us that are made manifest by the life, death, and resurrection and the gift of the Holy Spirit that we receive in Jesus. No longer are we wandering alone, but now because of meeting up with Jesus, we're guided. We have a purpose. We can come to life. Everything that Jesus has said is true. 
Imagine those disciples seeing Jesus for the first time and then remembering the stories that Jesus had, the way that Jesus said that he must be killed so that he might live, so that they might live, and and all of the stories that he unpacked for them, everything that Jesus has said is true, and everything is different than they imagined. No longer is the grief there because they thought maybe he was the Messiah. Now they know for a fact that he is the Messiah, and he has done something that nobody else has ever done. He came back from the dead. He has been raised from the dead. And he has revealed himself to them and to you and to me. We have that same choice, same choice that they did. You've been offered a new direction, a new destination by God. You have a choice. The truth is, if you go your own way, you will never reach the destination or have the journey that Christ has for you. (laughs) They didn't have it all together, those disciples. They didn't understand it. I know you don't have it all together. I don't have it all together. Christ showed up. They lacked faith. They lacked understanding. They lacked hope. But Jesus gave them all of that. Jesus gave them a new destination, a change in their life. And Jesus wants to do the same thing for you and for me. And so how how does he go about it? How do we go about embracing it? What does it look like for us to say, yes, Jesus, I want you to change my destination? First thing we have to do is allow your course to change in Christ. Open yourself up to the change. Don't be inflexible. Don't say, I'm going to go my own way no matter what Jesus says, because Jesus says, I have a new destination for you. And with that comes a new journey, and I want you to come with me. And so we allow Christ to change our destination, but we let Christ be our guide You have to let Christ be your guide in order to get there. You have to seek Christ to to guide you. What should we do today, Lord? How should we go today, Lord? Who should we love today, Lord? Reveal yourself to me and show me what I should do this moment. How can I be yours today? And if you're like me and you find that you have wandered away from the path, you aren't where God wants you to do, you have to reroute when you are off course. If you find yourself off course, say, Jesus, get me back onto where I need to be. Jesus, forgive me for for wandering off on my own. I, I need you. And Jesus is faithful and sure to bring you back on course. Jesus offers us a new destination and journey. Let's embrace it. The the gift that we receive in Jesus Christ can change everything for us. And my hope is that we'll allow it to work in and through us so that we can be for the world 
the hands and feet of Jesus Christ, filled by His love and His grace so that we can share that love and grace with everyone we encounter. Let's embark on a new journey, not a journey based on our past, but a journey based on the future hopes and plans of God Himself. Let's pray. Gracious one, we thank you for the gift we have in Jesus, for the love that you offer to us, for the hope that we have in you, and the way that you have continually revealed yourself to us. Help us in this moment and in every moment to be open to your leading and guidance so that we can stay on your path, so that we can head toward your destination, so that we can be fully alive on your journey, sharing your life with everyone we encounter. Let it be so now and always. In the name of God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.